Um, but I'm going to introduce this series of teaching. Uh, it's going to be about the Holy Spirit. I love how God works. I just love it. And I, I, I've been, this has been stirring in me over the last months, several months. And you know that since January, I've been sharing my journey of healing. How could I share my journey of healing without sharing about the Holy Spirit's part in my journey of healing? Jesus, oh, we love Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Pastor Tim has taught us forever that it's all about Jesus. But Jesus today, he did all the work. It's finished. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. I am too. I am in Christ at the right hand of God with the enemy under my feet. But on this earth, the Holy Spirit is the part of the triune God that is with us, in us, helping us, doing everything that Jesus did when he walked on this earth for us here. We need the Holy Spirit. I believe in mainstream Christianity, the Holy Spirit is sometimes um, downplayed or not taught or not shared. And people are ignorant because they haven't been taught. And we need to know about the Holy Spirit. We need to know, yes, about Jesus, our healer. We need to know about Abba, our Father, and our identity as a child of God. We need to know the love of the Father. All of that is integral. But we also need to know the person of the Holy Spirit. So I feel it's powerfully important in our journeys, whether it's a healing journey or whether it's any other season of your life, we need the Holy Spirit. So I want to share the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. Are you ready? I am. I'm very excited. I love teaching about the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to start by prayer. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we come to you right now in a position of surrender. I get to share about you, Holy Spirit, but I don't want to just read what, what's on my notes. I don't want to just even, I don't even just want to share what's written in scripture about you. I want the living, breathing power of the Holy Spirit to flow through the teaching and through the ministry today and always. But Father, I pray that it is evident that it's not me, it's you. It's you, Holy Spirit, through me, through this team, through the body of Christ. It's all about you. We love you and we surrender all to you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the subtitle of part one is Born of the Spirit, Baptized in the Spirit. We're going to talk about both of those today. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background, and then next week we're going to delve deep into the benefits of the Holy Spirit. But today's kind of a background day, all based on Scripture. I feel in, in the ministry Ken and I are called to, I love this part of our, of our calling, this isn't just churched people that listen to these teachings. This isn't just Holy Spirit Pentecostals that hear the teachings that Ken and I are able to give about healing. And there are many people that just have never learned about how awesome our Holy Spirit is. So let's go to scripture. The first thing I want to share is that the Holy Spirit 
is part of the triune God and has been with God forever. In eternally forever. Eternally in the past and the present and the future. The Holy Spirit has been with us, with humanity, even before the new covenant was established. So I'm going to share with you three dispensations of the Holy Spirit. The word dispensation simply means how the Holy Spirit was, has been dispensed or distributed. So in the Old Testament, starting from the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, all the way through all of the Old Testament to the last prophetic book of Malachi, the Holy Spirit could come upon people for a specific purpose, for a specific amount of time, but then the Holy Spirit lifted. The Holy Spirit could not indwell people. And the reason the Holy Spirit could not indwell people is because we had a sin nature. And the Holy God could not inhabit a temple of, that wasn't holy, that wasn't pure. So the Holy Spirit couldn't indwell people. But he did, but we did need to see God, to experience God in order to, to move from the very beginning into the promised land and into the new covenant of grace. So let's look at just one example. There's many, many. Think about the Old Testament. Think about all the stories of miracles, in it. just all kinds of miraculous um, leading of God through different situations and settings. That was the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read one example from the book of Numbers, and it's, the main character is Moses, but it's not just about Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses, and he said, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. This is a beautiful um, shadow of what is to come. We need the Holy Spirit to lead. We need the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. Not just one leader. We need, that's why we have this amazing team here. Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit anointed men and women of God. And Moses needed help. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people and he was the only leader. And he was, he was overwhelmed. So God says, okay, I'm going to help. But in order for these people to help, they need the Holy Spirit. And then in the next, I'm going to skip to verse 24. This is where it all takes place. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. So a gift of the spirit flowed through those 70 elders. Initially, the gift of prophecy the spiritual gift of prophecy. And then I believe that from that point on, they were spirit-led to lead. They were given the unction to lead. 
and, and a um, uh, qualification. You've probably heard me say this about 100 times. So I'm going to say it one more time. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. So that's what he did right here in this situation. And it happens all the way through the Old Testament. So that's the Old Testament dispensation of the Spirit. Then comes the gospel dispensation of the Spirit. The gospel dispensation is a transitional period between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And Jesus is who we're going to look at during this dispensation of the Spirit. Because Jesus, our Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, needed the Holy Spirit. He was about 30 years old when he started ministry. He lived, he was born, he learned, he grew in wisdom and stature, but he didn't flow in ministry, in healings, in not even in, in um, uh, anointed teaching until he had the Holy Spirit. Let me show you the timeline. I'm going to read just a few short scriptures to show you the timeline of how this happened starting in Luke chapter 3. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, I love it, Jesus prayed all the time. How many of you have been water baptized? Okay, almost everybody here. That's such a powerful moment of time. When you make that commitment to be a follower of Christ, when you make that commitment to give your life forever to God. And Jesus, at that moment, he stopped and he prayed. And at that moment, the heaven was opened and the Spirit descended. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, like a dove, upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. So the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, but that's not where it stopped. In chapter 4, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is not just having the Spirit upon him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days by the devil. We know that he fasted. Food and, I believe, water for that whole 40 days. That was spiritual. You couldn't do that in the natural. That was Holy Spirit-led. And he spent 40 days there. And then at the end of those 40 days, a few verses later in Luke, Luke verse 14, 414, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went throughout all that surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So now, after he spent time being led by the Spirit and letting the Spirit teach him and grow him and prepare him, he left the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And then the next scripture, still like Luke 4, now we're at verse 16. He, remember, he, he's going to Galilee and he's starting to teach in the synagogues. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into that synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Pay attention to that word anointed. We're going to come back to it in a minute. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives to re and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, was filled with the Spirit. This is the fulfillment of the prophetic word about Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Christ. The word or the name, the word, the descriptor, Messiah and Christ. One is Old Testament, one is New Testament. Those words mean anointed. Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And with that anointing, he went out and he preached like no other. It says in other accounts that he um, preached in a way that just astounded everybody because they had never heard anybody preach like him. None of the rabbis, none of the leaders, nobody preached and taught as one with authority, like Jesus did. That was the Holy Spirit. That was the power of the Spirit through him. He healed. He brought sight to the blind. Miracles, signs, wonders, the power that he was endued with flowed through him. That didn't start until he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He freed the captives, the oppressed, the next scripture, I'm going to read one more about Jesus, and then we're going to move to us, is Acts 10.38. So this scripture was written um, after Jesus had already paid the price for, for our salvation. And the, the, the apostles were going from place to place sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel of Jesus. And this is what they shared. This is one of the things they shared about Jesus. They said, this man, you know, God anointed him. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then he went about doing good with it. He took that spirit, that power of the spirit, that anointing of the spirit, and he did good with it. And he healed all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The Holy Spirit anointing. That word anoint, this is the definition. Consecration and furnishing with the necessary powers for the administration of the messianic office to advance the kingdom of God and to defeat the kingdom of darkness. So Jesus needed that. He was the son of God. He came to fulfill the, 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 the covenant of grace that God wanted to pour out upon all mankind. But he needed the Holy Spirit. In order to fulfill his office, he needed the Holy Spirit. He fully depended on the Holy Spirit. 
but we're still in the gospel dispensation. The new covenant of grace had not yet been established. But Jesus did something else while he was on this earth, while he walked here as mankind. He gave us a promise. He told us that we also were going to be able to have this amazing promise. In John 14, 16, these are Jesus' words. He said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. And I chose the Amplified, because the word helper is a big word, and it has a lot of attributes built in that word. And the Amplified gives us many of those attributes. So Jesus said, I am going to send you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, stand by to be with you forever. Just let that settle in your heart for a minute. That's Jesus' promise for me and for you. Should you choose to take it, receive it. Jesus said he was going to give us, or he was asked the Father, and he will give us another helper. That word another means another just like Jesus. It means another helper of the same kind, not a different kind. All of those attributes are attributes of Jesus. When he walked on this earth, he was a comforter. He was an advocate. He was an advocate for the sinner, for the Samaritan woman, for the tax collector. He stood up and defended them. He wasn't the prosecuting attorney telling them, you're guilty. That's not what he did. He was their defense attorney defending them and accepting them and including them and saying, this is for you too. Today is the day of salvation. That's what he told Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He didn't say, get out of my sight, you filthy sinner. No, he wasn't the prosecutor. He's, he's our intercessor, our counselor, our strengthener, our standby. Jesus was all of those things. And the Holy Spirit... <laughs> This is on your page, and I just, I've got it starred, highlighted, anything. Get this in your, in your head so that it can eventually get in your heart because it's a big deal. The Holy Spirit will do everything for us that Jesus did when he walked on this earth. The Holy Spirit is another just like Jesus. And he will do everything for us that Jesus did when he walked on this earth. Every task of the Spirit is a task that Jesus undertook when he walked on this earth. So let's look at those attributes once again. The word helper is the, is the Greek word parakletos. And it means one who comes forward in behalf of and representative of another. The Holy Spirit represents Jesus. Years ago, when I was first learning about the Holy Spirit, somebody gave me this little acronym, and it's not even a real word. It's the word catchis, C-A-T-C-H-I-S-S. And when you put it vertically, it helps me remember the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to say this because this is important to me, and I think it's something God wants me to say. I think we need to meditate on this. I think we need to take time 
to look at the attributes of the Holy Spirit and to, to know that God has given us the Spirit to be all of these things for us and to really think about the depth and the breadth of, the, of, of God here in spirit form for you and for me. And what is it that you need in this day, in this season? Do you need a helper? Are you overwhelmed? And you need help. The Holy Spirit is your helper. Do you need a comforter? There are times when you just want to sit down and cry. Mourning. Mourning a loss of something. It might be a person. It might be a, a career. It might be a job. It might be somebody that you care about. And you're mourning. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And he's there to love you and comfort you. Maybe you need an advocate. Maybe, you're, maybe you've got some issue in life and you feel like you're just not good enough. You need a defense attorney. You don't need a prosecutor. You're your own prosecutor. You need to get that out of the way and let your true identity be revealed to you through your advocate. Maybe you need somebody to come alongside with you and hold up your arms. An intercessor. That's my role in many of your lives. The Holy Spirit works through people too. Maybe that intercessor is one of our ministry team walking with you through your journey interceding on your behalf. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. This world is big on counseling. And I'm not saying anything wrong with that. That's, they're, they're anointed in their calling as well. But we always have the Holy Spirit. One of the things I've discovered is that when the Holy Spirit counsels me, it is always affirming. It is always gentle. It is always um, almost to the point, I know I've told you this before, where I, I, I feel like God's speaking something to me and I'm writing it down and then I read it back and I'm overwhelmed. And then I say, is that me or is that you, God? Because it's so precious. I'm thinking, well, I just want my God to say that to me. But I trust that it's him. I trust that it's him. And whenever he has been my counselor, my comforter, that's how it comes to me with such love and such compassion. He's our strengthener. Here we are. This is a healing class. Many of us need strength. We need strength in the middle of our journey. We might need physical strength. We might need spiritual strength. We might need emotional strength. We, but that is something that is often a great need when you're in the middle of a physical battle or a healing journey. The Holy Spirit is our strengthener. I think back to my recent journey. Boy, did the Holy Spirit strengthen me. He strengthened me through meditating on the Word. And as I was taking the scriptures into my heart, the Holy Spirit was lighting them on fire, bringing them alive in my heart in a new way, a deeper way, a, a, a more powerful way than I'd ever experienced. And the result was I was strengthened spiritually. The result, I was strengthened emotionally. The result was I was so filled with fervor and zeal that I could be here every week through a cancer journey, through treatment, through all that junk, with the Holy Spirit anointing where I was 
almost on fire physically, consumed with fire. The, the Bible says that we will be baptized with the Spirit and with fire. That fire was, not was, is, present tense, just pouring through my, my system. And that's the strengthener of the Holy Spirit. We need that. And he's there for us. That's one of his attributes. And the last one is a standby. He's always ready, always waiting. You know, the scripture, Pat opened with it. Seek me and you'll find me, God says. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He's always ready and waiting. And remember, here on earth, in this earthly realm, the spirit is the one who is face-to-face, hand-in-hand, leading us, guiding us, in us, upon us, through us, all around us. And that's where he's at, standing by, ready at every moment when we just breathe the word, when we just think the word. He's there. He says, yes, baby girl, you came to me. So he's our standby. After the comma at the end of the scripture, there's another promise. It says he will be with us forever. In another translation, it says he will abide with us or he will dwell with us forever. That's good news. As Jesus is talking here, he's drawing a contrast between himself because Jesus knows he's got a short time on the earth. He's drawing a contrast between himself and the Spirit of God. Because Jesus knows that his ministry and his time on earth is limited, but that the Spirit will be with us forever. So the question is, does that mean that Christ is absent? That is a no. The answer to that is no. His physical appearance or his physical presence is absent, but he will be present in the form of the Spirit in us, with us, forever. Here's another important, a very important key. And that is that the Holy Spirit, it says he will be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is always on. We don't flip a switch on and off. We don't say, uh, uh, this, is, this is a mistake that, that I see in the world where we say, oh, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I want you. The truth is, this is it. He will be with you forever. He's always on. Now, we don't always sense his presence. We don't always feel his presence. But that doesn't mean he's not here. He is. He is, if you're born again, if you're baptized in the spirit, we're going to talk about those next. He is in you. He is with you. It doesn't matter if you feel him or not. He is with you. I do have a song that we're not going to get to tonight. But I, it's, it's really not a good song. I love it. It's beautiful, pretty, but it doesn't sing true words because it says, uh, you know, it says, come Holy Spirit. It says, come, I want you, I want you, you know, and it's, it's words of asking, but we already have the Holy Spirit. We need to be more aware. We need to let the truth feed our soul to such an extent that we expect the Holy Spirit to be present. We expect him to move in, in us and through us and to do all of these amazing things in our lives. 
Now, the reason that the Holy Spirit is able now to indwell us is because all judgment for all sin fell upon Jesus. And that made the way for the Holy Spirit to be released into all believers. That made the way for the New Testament dispensation of the Holy Spirit to be released. Let me read just one scripture about the judgment of sin falling on Jesus. 1 John 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son to be the propitiation. That is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating his wrath. So remember I said the old covenant dispensation, the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in people because we weren't holy. Well, now, as a born-again child of God, we have been purified. We are as white as snow in the spiritual realm, and we will always be righteous and holy. And we are a temple that is beautiful for God to inhabit. And he loves to come in and be within us and, and for us to host his presence. Amen. So the New Testament dispensation, Romans 8, 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Amen. Amen. If you're born of the spirit. We're going to look right now at being born in the spirit and being baptized in the spirit. When we're born again, we received Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. At that time, the Holy Spirit took up residence within us and became available to us. So I'm going to read this beautiful scripture um, in John chapter 3 about Nicodemus and how Jesus taught him about being born again and about the Holy Spirit. I love this. So I was raised Catholic, and I love my Catholic heritage. I have an amazing family, and, and my faith is, is my bedrock. I grew up knowing Jesus, knowing Father, knowing about Holy Spirit. But there were a lot of things I didn't know. And one of the things was about being born again or about being saved. And whenever I heard those, either of those terms when I was young, they offended me. Because it was um, uh, uh, contrary to what I had been taught in my, my faith. Well, all of a sudden I started reading the Bible and seeing it in Scripture. And even Jesus teaching about it. And what happened? The Holy Spirit started to bring affirmation to my heart and showing me truth that I had never known. People perish from lack of knowledge. Ignorance is not bliss. <laughs> so anyway, listen to this beautiful scripture about being born again. So there was this man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. How many of you have been watching the Chosen series? Bunches of us, right? A lot of us. Okay, so remember the, the episode about Nicodemus going to Jesus. Every time I read this scripture, I see this man. So in the, in the um, 
uh, dramatic um, uh, play or whatever you want to call it, where this was acted out. Nicodemus, yes, he's a Pharisee, but he has seen Jesus. He's experienced this mighty man coming, talking, preaching, healing. And he wants to be face-to-face. He wants to talk face-to-face with Jesus. So it's night because he has to do it after dark because of who he is and what his position is. And that's where we pick up right here. After dark one evening, Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, there's Jesus using those words. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. I believe that refers to natural birth and spiritual birth. Now, people can have babies and not be born again. It says so right in verse 6. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. We're talking about being born of the Spirit. So I was born physically by my mama. I had grown up. I learned, you know, lots of stuff about God, about Father, about the Holy Spirit. But I'd never been born again. I was 43 years old when I was born again. Everything changed because the Spirit came into me. And I started new. I had a new nature. I was a new creation. Everything changed from that day. It was February the 19th, 2002. Awesome day. And then Jesus said, don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit because it's a spiritual thing. So just like the wind, you can't see the wind with your eyes, but you can see and feel evidence of the wind. Being born in the spirit, being born again. Many people don't have physical manifestations. Some do. Some have an encounter with God. I had an encounter with God. It's an amazing story. Can't tell it right now, but it was amazing. But that doesn't make it any less different. It's the same as somebody who didn't have a a physical uh, presence of God encounter. So you might not feel it. Just like the wind. Sometimes the wind's calm. Sometimes there's no wind. That doesn't mean the air's not there moving around. But there's evidence. You might not have felt anything. You might not even be sure. (laughs) This is how I was sure. I was sure because of the evidence. Things started to change in my life radically. I'm going to read one more scripture, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in and joined to him by faith in him as Savior, that means they're born again, he is a new creature. 
reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral, moral and spiritual condition has passed away. The sin nature, the old spiritual condition is dead. Behold, all things, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. So in this scripture, we see a contrast between the old man and the new man. The sin nature and the righteousness nature. The, the, the stuff that used to be in your life and who you are now. I heard somebody once say, when you're born again, it's not like, um, you know how you have these uh, car buffs who like to take old cars and refurbish them and fix them all up and they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. But that's not a born again person. Because you're not just fixed up and you're, the body work done and the paint job done and everything fixed up and pretty fine. Uh-uh. You are completely made new. You are a new creation. One that's never been before. And it is perfect and it is awesome. You are a new creature. So being born of the Spirit changes your nature. You don't have the same nature anymore. You are completely made new. You have become a new creature. And Within you, part of the new creature is the fruit of the Spirit has gone into you. All of the fruits of the Spirit of God are now in you, in full form, perfected. I used to think, this is another teaching, I can't teach it today, but I used to, I'm just going to give you this much of it. I used to think that the fruits of the Spirit were in seed form. Nope. They are full manifest in there, but they haven't come out of you yet. That's another whole teaching. But they're there. God doesn't give you little seeds. He gives you the fruit, the whole perfect fruit. So let's look now at the baptism in the Spirit. So being born in the Spirit changes your nature. You go from a sin nature to a righteousness nature. You have been made new. You are perfected. You are purified. You are holy. The baptism of the Spirit is another experience beyond the born-again experience. And the Bible calls it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit empowers us to live an abundant life. Remember two weeks ago, I taught a lesson, two, two teachings on the blessings are better than miracles. And that miracles are great, but miracles come because you have a need, like a crisis in your life. And so in order to live from miracle to miracle, it means you'd have to live from crisis to crisis. And I don't know about you, Chris, but I don't want to do that again. Nope. God's best is for us to live from blessing to blessing, from glory to glory, in the abundance of life that he gave us. And this baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us the power, endues us with power to live from blessing to blessing to blessing. Now, I'm going to give you a little Pastor Tim analogy. I'm going to teach a lot more about this in the next two weeks, but this is a good analogy. When he, when he taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he used to bring in some props. He would bring in a handsaw and a power saw. And he would, you know, hold one up and he'd say, you know, if I'm going to cut down a tree, I can cut down a tree with this handsaw, but it's a lot of work. 
and it takes a long time. Or I could use this power saw, and I could zip through that tree and tip it over like that. He said, it's much easier to use the power saw. And then he said, that's the difference between being born in the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. I want the power saw. Amen. And I want, I desire, not just for me, but for those around me and those people I love and you guys, I would love to see the power of God working so mightily and so freely and so uninhibited that this room is like wall to wall, chair to chair, sitting on laps if we have to, because people are coming to find Jesus and to see the power of the Holy Spirit in action. Yeah, that's what I'm believing for. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to give you biblical references about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're just about ready to wrap this up. And then next week we're going to go into a new, a new facet of this teaching. So there are seven, um, account, or seven scriptures in the Bible where it explicitly talks about the baptism of the Spirit. I will say that part of my teaching in the next three weeks is going to be refuting arguments that are in the world. And you know how I refute arguments? With a word. I'm going to show you what the word says to help you understand what those misinformation or those teachings that are out there that aren't, that aren't true or they're partial truth. And one of them is that the baptism of the Spirit is, is the same as being born in the Spirit. It's not. It's another degree. Another is that the baptism of the Spirit isn't for, the de- for today. That's a lie. It is. But let's look, first of all, at where Scripture says that Jesus will baptize us in the Spirit. Here's the first one. It's repeated in four accounts, four Gospels, of um, the account of when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. There are very few accounts that are repeated in all four Gospels. This is one of them. It's important. That's why I believe it's there four times. In the Gospel of Matthew... John says, John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mark. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And he preached saying, There comes one after me who's mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Luke, now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about this John the Baptist, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered saying to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandals strap I'm not even worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And in the Gospel of John, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist was actually 
being led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him and spoke to him about this prophetic word that this man will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The word baptism means to be, to, to be immersed in, to be endued with. Okay, the next two examples are Jesus himself. The Gospel of Luke. This takes place after Jesus has initiated the, the, the new dispensation. He has initiated the, the new covenant. And he's, he's already um, raised, raised from the dead, but he hasn't yet ascended into heaven. And right before he ascends, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus, before he leaves, he says, okay, get ready. The promise is coming. Wait, don't go out. Don't minister because you need the Holy Spirit. Don't start anything until the Holy Spirit is poured out. And then the last or the next example is from the book of Acts. This picks up right where Luke left off. At the very beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus, again, has, uh, uh, has resurrected but hasn't yet ascended into heaven. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Those are Jesus' words. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And right after that, Jesus ascends into heaven. And in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is dispensed, is dispersed, is released. And all of the people that followed Jesus' direction and waited and prayed were filled with the Holy Spirit. But that was just the start. We're going to talk a lot more about that in the weeks to come. But I want to read one more example of the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is in the book of Acts as well. And this is Peter. This is the account where Peter goes to the Gentiles. Because the Holy Spirit told him to. Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's led by the Holy Spirit. He had never done anything unclean. And one thing that he wasn't supposed to do was associate with the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, anything that I call clean, you don't call unclean. And the Holy Spirit said, when those, there's men coming and they're going to want you to go with them and I want you to go and I want you to tell them all about me. And that's what he did. So he went, he traveled to Joppa, I believe it was, to visit Cornelius. He was Italian and, and a Gentile. And, and he started to tell them all about Jesus. And as Peter began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then Peter said, I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that started a whole huge wave because the apostles realized that the church was not just for the Jewish that, that, the, that Jesus, the Messiah, was not just to save the Jewish. Jesus was there for all of mankind. 
including the Gentiles, including me, including you, including all of us. So we're going to wrap up with this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is integral. I know it. I've experienced the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I want nothing more than every one of the people that I share good news with to know this part of the good news. But there are a lot of people that don't. There are a lot of Christians who haven't yet, Christians, guys, Christians, who haven't yet received the fullness of the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They've received the, the, the Holy Spirit through being born again, but they haven't yet received the fullness of the Holy Spirit through baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at what distinguished Jesus from all other human beings. And then we're going to look at the same thing for Christians. So Jesus, we know that he was the son of God, but when he was born, he, he was stripped of all deity. It says that in scripture. He was stripped. He humbled himself. He was stripped of deity. But one thing that distinguished him from all other humanity is that he had no sin. And because he had no sin, there was no separation between him and his father. So that's the number one distinction. The number two distinction is that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We read all of those scriptures. He had the Holy Spirit, not just upon him, but within him. And he was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And number three, he was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one who had been furnished with power, consecrated, and prepared to, to, um, to do the messianic office, to fulfill the messianic office. And twofold, I tell you guys this all the time, to advance the kingdom of God and to destroy the kingdom of darkness. So that was Jesus. Get ready to be blown away. We have the same distinctions. We have the same distinctions now in the new covenant dispensation of the Holy Spirit. If we've received all that God has for us. So first of all, if you're born again, if you've been born in the Spirit, there is no more sin separating you from the Father. If you have accepted the sacrifice, accepted Jesus as your Savior, sin is no longer an issue. The nature, the sin nature has changed. Remember, being born again changes your nature. So there is no more sin separating you from God. And you are completely reconciled unto him. So that's number one. Number two, if you're born of the Spirit and if you're baptized in the Spirit with the fullness of the power that you are endued with, you have the same Holy Spirit Jesus had. The question is, are we depending on the Holy Spirit like Jesus did? The question is, are we listening Hearing, heeding, following, doing, or are we using our own strengths and abilities? That's a question I ask myself every day. God's gifted me to be a, be a, to be a teacher, but I know that the Holy Spirit works through me when I teach. I love to teach. I love to teach school, 
but there's something different about teaching the Word of God. Big time difference. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit. Completely the Holy Spirit. Not me, it's Him. I said this last night and Kent laughed, so I'm going to say it again. It's pretty funny. When I'm at home with my husband, I have an amazing husband, I have an amazing relationship. But when we sit at the dinner table together, I don't sound like this. Because there's, I'm, not, I'm not flowing in the spirit. I'm sitting eating dinner and talking about the day or eating, talking about what we're eating or something, you know. I am not flowing in the Holy Spirit. I'm not letting the Holy Spirit just take over. There's a big difference. The anointing is for us as well. So here's number three. We're Christians. Jesus is Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. I'm a Christian. It means a little Christ. It means a little anointed one. Listen to this. The anointing upon me is God's presence within and upon us through the Holy Spirit. The anointing is God doing those things that only he can do and doing them through a flesh and blood earthly vessel. That's what you see. That's what Jesus the healer is all about. That's what it should be about. That's what I want it to be about. That's what we hunger and thirst for it to be about is the anointing. And the same um, mission that Jesus was on, the mission to advance the kingdom of God and to destroy the kingdom of darkness, that's what we do because we're in commission with him. Co-mission means with him in mission. So we're just joining together with Christ in his mission. And we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. There's just no way. So the reason why many Christians aren't living in this fullness of the Holy Spirit is because of ignorance. You just don't know it. And that's why I'm so passionate to share it. And I feel like this is the day, this is the season for this teaching. God gave me a word um, yesterday. And um, we were on vacation last week, and I had prepared this teaching before I went. So I, it wasn't in my heart, it wasn't in my, I mean, it, I know it, it's in my, it's in my heart, but it, I hadn't prepared yet, right? So yesterday morning, I'm praying, and this is how the Holy Spirit works. I was praying, and I said, I was praying in the Spirit, I was praying in tongues, we're going to talk a lot more about that over the next couple of weeks, I was praying in tongues, and I always have my pad of paper ready to see if God's going to speak something to me. And this is what I heard. He said, and this is for you. He said, breathe me in. Breathe deeply. Let me fill you with my pure presence, my love, my truth, my peace. And then he said, Stop inhaling polluted air. Chaos, confusion, worry, fear, those will make you sick and weak. He said, come, my child, come inside and breathe me in. Yeah, I'll repeat it. Absolutely, I'll repeat it. So I'm going to repeat it in a minute. But later in the day, when I was preparing my teaching, he gave me this in the morning. Later in the day as I was preparing my teaching, it was like God was just speaking 
the Holy Spirit, breathe me in. The name of the Spirit, and I don't probably say it right, but it's Ruah, Ruah, and that is the breath, the breath of God. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. And when I, I went before him and I said, God, what do you want me to give or share? Or any words of knowledge? And I, I just open it up, you know, and say, God, whatever. Sometimes he gives me words. Sometimes he gives me, you know, words of knowledge or whatever. But that was the first thing he said, breathe me in. Now, before I read it again, again, I was just meditating and thinking about this word. Um, my, my grandkids are in Nevada right now, and um, that's where they live, and they're having a lot of wildfires out there. And they were really worried because they started school yesterday and they were afraid they weren't going to get to start school because there was so much smoke that it was dangerous to be outside. They had to stay inside. Now, my kids are very, very athletic and, and outdoorsy, my children and my grandchildren. And they came home from Michigan on Friday and they couldn't do anything outside on Saturday and Sunday. And that's like really hard for them because they ended up going bowling because they, they couldn't be outdoors. And yeah, because it was dangerous. Now, my, my daughter-in-law, Kay, is very cautious of, of the health of her children. She, I could go on and on about that, but she's a good, good mama, very concerned about their health. And one of the things she would not let them do is go outside and breathe that smoke. So I was thinking about that as God spoke this word to me. I'm going to read it again. He said, breathe me in. Breathe deeply. Let me fill you with my pure presence, my love, my truth, my peace. Stop inhaling polluted air, chaos, confusion, worry, fear. Those will make you sick and weak. Come, my child, come inside and breathe me in. So, Father, as we just open our hearts and our minds to hear about your spirit and the need that we have for your spirit to come in, I pray, Lord, may, may we breathe you in. May we breathe in truth. May we breathe in um, the, the presence, the power of God. May we breathe in your plan and purpose. May we breathe in your dreams that you dream with us. May we breathe in the gifts and let them flow through us. May we breathe in what is good, what is healthy, what is pure, what is rich, what is amazing. And may we say no to pollution. May we say no to the pollution of the world. May we say no to the chaos and the confusion that is in the world right now. May we say no. And may we run inside into that secret place and breathe you in and breathe you in deeply. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.